is held together, nourished, growing up in the things of God because of Jesus. When you abide in Jesus, the word here is hold fast to Jesus. When you are part of the body of Christ, all you need is Jesus. You don't need Jesus plus this new teacher. Jesus plus this theological system. Jesus plus go to this place and go to this school. No, you just need Jesus, people. The idea of enough can be a hard thing for us to understand, especially living in a culture like this one that's always expecting more. But as Pastor Daniel shares today, that's exactly what the Bible says about Jesus, that he's enough. You'll learn today that the work that Jesus did on the cross is more than enough for you. He's the head of the church and holds everything together. You don't need to do anything extra to make yourself right with God. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Colossians chapter 2 as he continues his message, Jesus is the head of the body. This idea when someone was ceremonially unclean, they would go into the mikvah and they would be cleansed so that they could be readmitted into the the fellowship of, of the spiritual community. And on top of that idea, now we have the idea of baptism where someone goes under the water, just as you've been buried with Christ. Jesus died and was buried in the tomb. And then you're raised out of the water, born again in newness of life, just the way Jesus came out of the tomb, right? And so this is the work that Jesus has come to do, to do the spiritual circumcision, us dying with Jesus and being raised with Jesus. But not only is Jesus interested in this spiritual circumcision, but notice the forgiveness of sins, verse 13, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now, here's the deal. No matter what your background is, no matter where you've been, no matter what mistakes you've made, The reality is, is all of us have made mistakes. The Bible calls this committing sins. But the reason we commit sins is because we have a nature that left up to its own devices is going to always commit sins. They call it the sin nature. And really what you find is that the forgiveness of sins, Jesus knows who we are, where we've been, what we've done. And at the cross, Jesus affected the the prescription, the ability to be able to heal us of all the mistakes that we made. And and I'll be honest with you, this is so powerful because for many of us, we walk through life carrying around shame, guilt, hurt because of mistakes that we've made. Like, you know, almost any of us, if I were to say, hey, listen, what was something that you really wish you could do over? 
You know, you know when you go golfing, you know, uh, some of you go golfing. I don't go golfing very much because I'm horrible at it. I figure if I'm going to go play golf, I might as well take as many swings as I can. But, I, you know, I always used to joke because, we, you, you know, you're coming off the tee box, you know, and, and invariably, you know, you end up shanking the ball. It goes wherever. And like, can I get a mulligan? Can I get a do-over again? I somewhat wish that there was mulligans in life. We can go back and just rewind the tape. Like, that didn't really happen. We'll do it again. But life isn't really like that because all of us have these areas where, like, I wish I would would have done that differently. I can't believe I did that. And all of us have those. Now, don't get me wrong. We learn from the mistakes we make. That's a wonderful part of who God is and that, and that we can grow through these things. But for all of us, we've made mistakes. And for the sins that we've committed, we need forgiveness. And the forgiveness that we need was bought for us by Jesus on the cross in his own body. This is why Jesus is so important because his work is finished. I mean, think about Jesus on the cross. John chapter 19, verse 30 says it this way. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. How powerful is that? Now, earlier in John chapter 17, verse 4, when Jesus was, John 17, 4, when Jesus was praying to his father, he says, John 17, 4, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Jesus, seeing what's going to happen next, he's going to go to the cross. He's going to finish that work, that work of spiritual circumcision, that work of the forgiveness of sins. And not only did Jesus forgive us of our sins, but Jesus also, also conquered all of the evil spiritual forces. Look at verse 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In what? In the cross. Now, the principalities and the powers were rankings of kind of the demonic realm. And Jesus disarmed the principalities and powers, so he took away all their weapons, and he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. Now think about that, because if you think about it from a different perspective, for the enemy of our soul, Satan, he thought that the cross, he had won. It's like, this is where we win. The son of God is dead. It's over. There's no redemption. You know, and a lot of people say, I don't understand why Lucifer, who we call Satan, that this, this angel who fell and, and, and led a rebellion in the angelic realm, why is he so bent on hurting people? Well, guess what? Misery loves company. Satan wants us to be as miserable as he is. And so he's always, he's always inviting us along into, into what he wants to do. I always tell people that Satan can't do anything to us on his own. He only encourages us to do the things that we want to do naturally apart from the grace of God and the spirit of God. He simply encourages us to live in rebellion against God because he's in rebellion against God. And on that cross, Satan thought, finally, I've won. I got it done. But actually, according to the Apostle Paul, according to the word of God, that at the cross, Jesus made a public spectacle of disarming the principalities and powers because Jesus triumphed because the cross gives way to an empty tomb. See, you can never really talk about the cross of Jesus without remembering the resurrection of Jesus. On the cross, Jesus dealt with our sin problem our shame problem. And through the resurrection, he dealt with our death problem. And when Jesus left that grave, having being risen from the grave, all bets are off that everything has changed now. 
So Jesus' work is finished. And because Jesus' work is finished, of course, what we're going to learn next is that Jesus is the head of the body. Jesus is the head of the body. Now you're saying, Fusco, where do you get this from? Look at verse 16 of Colossians chapter 2. It says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. See, Jesus is the head of the body. And don't miss, Paul says that specifically right there, you know, at, at verse 19, and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. Now, Paul is bringing up something that was very important to the church in Colossae because really what you find is that the church in Colossae was struggling because there was all these competing visions of what Christianity was supposed to be. There was all these what we commonly call heresies, these things that people were teaching as truth that aren't the truth of the gospel, but now people were getting confused. You have to realize, at this point in the life of the church, all they had was some of the letters that were being written around, but they didn't have the whole Bible, let alone the, the, all the gospels being written. Maybe they had Mark's gospel at this point when it's being written in, in you know, about 60, 62 AD. And so they don't have the Bible to check. So all they're doing is they're following Jesus with the testimony of what they're hearing. And of course, in the early church, one of the big issues was, well, if you're a Christian, do you need to be circumcised? Do you need to keep the Jewish law? This It was... What did Jesus do to the law? Now, of course, we know that Jesus said he did not come to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill the law. That was Jesus' plan, to fulfill the law. Now, the Apostle Paul, and I skipped over this because I knew I was going to bring it in, in this part, what we had just read in verse 14 of Colossians 2 said, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. See, the Bible teaches that we cannot fulfill the law. Jesus fulfilled it for us. And because Jesus fulfilled the law for us, now we are not bound to try and keep all of the law. But in the early church, and you read this in the book of Acts, they didn't know what to do. As the, as the non-Jewish people were saying yes to Jesus, who was the fulfillment of the Jewish scriptures, the Jewish Messiah, they would say, well, what do we need to do? And people would say, you need to be circumcised. You need to keep the Sabbath. You need to do all this stuff. And then you can truly be a Christian. And the first half of the book of Acts is about this. It culminates in, in the Jerusalem Council of Acts 15, where they said, no, 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 no. God's grace is sufficient. You don't need to become Jewish to follow Jesus. And what's interesting is, is this is what's going on in the Gentile church in Colossae. And what's also fascinating is, this also is going on still 2,000 years later today. There's not a season of life that goes by that in some segments of Christianity, there is some sort of 
rules that start to come up. There's like, this is what you have to do in order to really be a Christian. Notice what Paul says. Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. See, so, you know, whether someone's like, well, listen, you, we should only worship on this day of the week as opposed to this day of the week. Or they say, oh, no, 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 listen, we can't call him Jesus. We have to call him Yeshua, as, as if Jesus only answers to his Hebrew version of his name. Or you say, oh, no, no, listen, we have to do this festival or this thing, or, or now we have all of the, the, the conglomeration of American politics and Christianity. And people are like, no, 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 if you're really a Christian, you have to do this thing. Like, you can't be doing that, you know? And it's like, no. I would say, no, like, read your Bibles. Because the Bible teaches that Jesus is the head of the body. He's the head of the church, and you can't add anything to it. It's not like if you go to worship and gather together with your church family on a Sunday that Jesus is like, yeah, I don't accept that worship. As if when you go to Jesus on Friday morning, you're like, oh, Lord, I'm just praising you. are like, yeah, it's not the Sabbath. I can't receive that praise from you. Or it's like, you know, when you say, hey, Jesus, I need help. And he's like, well, I, I don't answer to Jesus. My name is just Yeshua HaMashiach because somebody realizes that Jesus, the Messiah in Hebrew is Yeshua HaMashiach. Or, or something else goes on. And people are like, no, no, you have to have your head covered or you have to have short hair. People come up with all these things. And it's like, no. All of these things are types and shadows and the substances of Jesus that when Jesus is here because he is real and the work is finished, you don't need all the rule keeping. So don't let anyone judge you in food or in drink or in Sabbath or in festivals. So it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes on, the, the stuff that rolls into the church. And people wanting to honor the Lord get sidetracked by it all. And it's so tragic because Jesus is sufficient and Jesus is more than enough. I mean, look at what Paul says in verse 18. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and the worship of angels intruding into those things which he has not seen vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So anytime the focus becomes some sort of a rule keep, some sort of a, you need to do it this special way, and if you don't read this version of the Bible, you're not really a Christian, or whatever the stuff that comes up is, he says, people are getting cheated of their reward. reward. It's, it's taking delight in false humility. Because, you know, you can imagine the church in Colossae saying, no, 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 listen. Listen, if you get circumcised, you're really humble. If you only worship on this day, you're really humble. If you choose not to eat the meat sacrifice, you're really humble. And then Paul's like, no, that's false humility, you know? And he says, they're intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his flesh and in the mind. And then Paul gives the answer to this, to this, whatever the next phase is. And for many of us, we can look over our lives spiritually, we can see all these different things we got into for a season. Oh, yeah, I got into that thing, and I got into that thing. Some of you, man, you, you, you have your Christian passport. You have all the fads. You got into all of it, right? In the end of that, and that's fine, because listen, look what he says. How, how do we make sure that Jesus stays in his central place as the head of the body? Notice, when you're going all over the place, you're not holding fast to the head from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. See, in the end of the day, our job is to hold fast to Jesus. Jesus plus nothing 
equals everything. You hold fast to the head. And because Jesus is the head of the body, the whole body is held together, nourished, growing up in the things of God because of Jesus. When you abide in Jesus, the word here is hold fast to Jesus. When you are part of the body of Christ, all you need is Jesus. You don't need Jesus plus this new teacher. Jesus plus this theological system. Jesus plus go to this place and go to this school. No, you just need Jesus, people. He's more, he's always been more than enough. The church is never as healthy as when the church is simply focused on Jesus. Now, Paul said almost the exact same thing to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter four, verses 15 and 16. He says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things to him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. My friends, listen. You and the person next to you may have nothing in common, but if Jesus is your head, then Jesus knows how to perfectly fit everything together so that the body builds itself up in love. Every part, every part of Jesus' body has a role to play. And I think what goes on is when we're focused on ourselves and our unique giftings and desires and callings, then we struggle with people who have maybe different unique giftings and callings. Like there's something wrong with them because it's different from ours. But when our focus is on Jesus, you realize that actually all the different parts of the body are absolutely necessary for the building up of the body and love. And what I've learned as I've gotten older and I got my eyes more on Jesus that I'm okay with the fact that people have all different ways of doing it. I'm okay with the fact that people might get at the same thing differently than me. As long as they don't think that their way is salvific because only Jesus is salvific. See, God wants all of us. If Jesus is the head, all of us connected to him and because we're connected to him, then we get connected to one another. So it's really that our relationship with Jesus now connects us. The upward connects us on the horizontal level with each other. And that's why Jesus being the head, his work is finished. And now we get the opportunity to grow. Because in both the Ephesians passage and also here in Colossians chapter 2, we are reminded, of course, that it's all about with the body. It's about it growing. It's about it's bearing fruit. Verse 19 ends with grows with the increase, which is from God. So don't ever forget that today's the day that God wants to grow all of us, grow us up. Now, closing out our study today, look what it says in verse 20, Colossians chapter 2. It says, therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle with all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Now, Paul's really kind of driving this home. Really, the principle is that you and I, we need to leave legalism behind. You need to leave it behind. All this sort of, don't do this, don't do that. 
If you do this, is bad. Now, now, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that all things are lawful, but not all things edify. And all things are lawful, and we will not be brought under, under the power of any. So it's, this is not saying, because again, the beauty of heresies is that, I think as Martin Luther said, that Christians can be like drunk people. You either fall off one side of the horse or the other. So, so it, for the church in Colossae, there was this move towards asceticism, where we don't do this, and we don't do this, and we don't do this, towards this legalism. Now, on the other side, the heresy is what they call antinomianism, where it's like, well, because I'm spiritual and Jesus has finished work, it doesn't matter what I do. So really, the key is to find that rightful place where you're like, look, any, me trying to feel morally superior or extra spiritual because I don't do this, this, and this, yeah, I have to leave that behind because my spirituality is rooted and founded in Jesus. So there is this beautiful balance in the middle between legalism and excessive license that the people of God are seeking to get at. And Paul is reminding them, he's like, listen, because notice what Paul grounds his position in. He says, notice verse 20, therefore. Now, what do I always say? When you see the word therefore, what do we say? What's it there for? It's a conclusion. Because, therefore, if you died with Christ, so if you've been dead and resurrected with Jesus, he says, then why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to re- regulations? He's like, listen, if you're in Christ, you've been dead and you've been resurrected with him, then this stuff has no value to you. It has the, an appearance of wisdom. It has an appearance of self-imposed religion. It has an appearance of humility. And it has this reality of neglecting the body, but it's of no value. And so for you and I, we have to simply leave all legalism behind to be able to say, no, no, listen. My, my hope is in Jesus. My life is in Jesus. The, the strength of my spiritual life, it's in Jesus. Of course, the whole letter to the Galatians is about this. Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 to 11 says it this way. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those things which by nature were not God's. But now, after you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. See, Paul to the church in Galatia, Paul to the church in Colossae, Paul to the church today is saying, listen, if you are in Christ, then don't find yourself diverted to other, these other things. To men, oh no, it's all, it's, this is the right rule to keep. This is the right way to do it. And if you do it this way, then, you're, then God's good with you. No, no, God is good with us because Jesus finished the work and Jesus is the head of the body. And because he's the head of the body, as we're connected to Jesus, we grow in him and we don't add anything to the finished work of Jesus. We simply trust in it. And legalism is actually the elevation of the person and in Christianity, the only person who gets elevated is Jesus himself. We say, Jesus, you must increase and I must decrease. So I don't want you to, I don't want any of us to think that, man, following the rules and regs as, as somebody told us adds any value to your salvation at all. Jesus is 
Pastor Daniel wrapped up this teaching on the headship of Jesus by reminding you that if you're a part of God's family, you don't need to add any extras to your walk with the Lord in order to be right with Him. Any additions have no value and are for appearances only. Pastor Daniel urged you to simply trust in the finished work of Jesus because it's more than enough. Then, in everything from relationships and jobs to politics and health, you'll be able to follow his leadership in every area of your life. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus' Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus' Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus' Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Take a look at the clock and come back next time when Pastor Daniel continues unpacking the book of Colossians. As he dives into chapter 3, you'll see that Jesus is your life. He is where real life is found. And when he's the most important thing, you'll experience joy and satisfaction that can't be rocked by your circumstances. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.